you've ever served in any branch of the military, would you please stand this morning as the singers make their way? Anybody that has ever served in any branch of the military, will you stand today? Can we give to all of those today as we celebrate Independence Day, all that have fought for us to have the freedom today in Jesus? Will you stand all over the house? We're going to sing an old hymn of the church. We've got a lot of folks that are traveling, some that are sick, some that are all over the place. We've just got people everywhere, as you can tell. Uh, lots of our folks aren't here today, and so we'll give you some more information about them soon. But let's just sing. We're here today, so the Bible says that let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So we have the freedom today to worship the Lord. So let's worship him today as we sing. There's still power in the blood of the Lamb.
morning. Well, would you do service for Jesus, your King? There is power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Well, would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. scripture and prayer. So will you welcome one another to church this morning? standing for scripture and prayer. Brother Marion is going to come at this time and lead you in scripture and in prayer and then we'll get right back into our worship time this morning. This thing working. One scripture. Praise the Lord. Psalms 33 verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the people whom have chosen 
for his own inheritance. Praise the Lord. I like to go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, I, 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 love the, I love the energy I feel today. It's um, good to be in God's house. Uh, a lot of smiling faces. I trust everybody's doing good. Again, it's good that we be here. Let's praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, always to be in your presence. Thankful for your people, Lord. Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would just touch and, and bless, Lord. Father, in return, I pray, Lord, that your people, Lord, would lift up their hearts with praise and adoration to you, Lord. Lord, we invite your presence, Lord. Have your way. Touch lives, Lord. And, Lord, we be careful to praise you. Thank you for all that you do. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let's remain standing this morning. The Bible says, as the worship team makes their way, the Bible says that Abraham considered him and God to be friends. And the psalmist David actually wrote, he said, Who am I that you, Lord, are mindful of me, that you would hear me when I call? And we're going to declare that today, that we can have that same uh, intimate relationship with the Lord. So let's worship the Lord this morning. Oh, is 
today. So open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you today, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us each and every day. Bless the remaining portion of this service, and let it be for the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning just for a moment. Uh, we're going to have a, a special uh, song here this morning just to commemorate uh, the day uh, that we are living in. Brother Randy Ertzberger is going to lead us in that. So would you listen to the words of this song? Are you thankful that you live in the United States of America? Amen. Not just for the song that was rendered and the musicians, but can we just give, I know we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, but can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise just because we are free to worship him today in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Brother Randy, and all of those. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to have you to go with me to the book of Second. Corinthians, yes. Well, let me give you this so that they can hear you. Well, it sounds better for all the people online. Y'all, there's something that's on my heart all week. I'm not going to allow this church out because they are who they are. I am who I am. When you're saved, you know something ain't right. When you go says somewhere and it's for show you know it in your heart I felt society was telling me to be a good mom I gotta send them all these fun and stuff and let them be all their kids even family but both today my lord told me to get the heck out of there and I'll tell you right now don't let the 
anxiety do what it did to me this week. The devil's been eating at, at me probably about a month now. But the world is not their fault. It's the church's fault. We have showcased God and using God to get our kids. And I'm not saying us. I'm not saying this church. I'm saying in general. The world is a church. We need to go back to the basics. We need to go back to loving him and worshiping him. Not this $20 vegetable oil, as my husband likes to say it. Not this, oh, let's do a numbers. And pastor knows a little bit what's on my heart because I wrote to him yesterday. And I know a couple of y'all know where I've been this week. But when you're really saved, you know. You know. No, God. No, not to take your kids there. No, don't let the media fool you with Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all this stuff. They're taking marriages. They're taking friendships. They're turning kids away from their parents because they don't want to know the truth. When someone really loves you, they're going to hurt your feelings. They're going to. But if someone's able to hurt your feelings, that means they care and they love you. I'm glad that y'all are here this morning in a real church. And those who don't know me, I'm sure, I think I know all of y'all. But that's the thing. Y'all know me. Y'all know I love it here. My four-year-old worships God because of this place. I've been saved here. My husband's been saved. But this week, I took my kids where they could have been corrupted because society told me to. Family members told me to. Everything in me told me not to take them this morning. And I still went. I almost missed this service. I almost missed where I know Jesus is. And where God is and where I'm loved. Because of society. Don't make the same mistake I did. And all those online, don't let the media fool you. They can put on a nice show. They can have all the best singers in the world. And yeah, it might be a free concert. They don't know God. And maybe someone envisioned that church does. I'm not saying they don't. But we're putting on a show. They're claiming kids to be something they're not. And it's not just them. Because this place, it's, it's in our hometown. We allowed it to be like this. So we need to stop it. It's up to us to stop it. It's not up to them. They got away with what they did. They're getting away with it. Every Sunday, they have thousands of people going. They have multiple services. We need to reach out to our community. We need to make this. Where we're praising God again. We're back to God. Our children. Every time we're silent, we're telling them it's okay. So we're at fault. I blame myself. And I'm just thankful that God's been speaking to me all week saying, April, stop. I've been saved. Going on eight years now. And I'll never forget the moment I was saved. And I'll never forget the moment I felt going somewhere where my kids were going to be corrupted. Yeah, they, they preached the good songs. They said God. They even handed out free Bibles. And 
Like, I'm not saying I'm a perfect Christian. I got sins that y'all don't even know about. I put on a smile face. Ask my coworkers. They can tell you. I'm not perfect. Some of them hate me right now. But God loves us as a friend, just like that song just said. God loves us as our father. As our father. might as well preach this morning. Probably should have said it there in front of thousands of people, but I felt like we've been silent too long and we allowed it to happen. And that's all of our fault. We got to stop. Because if we don't stop it now, the next generation, next generation, they're not going to know God at all. So it starts with us. Those of you that don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about the shattered nation and the brokenness of the church. A couple of weeks ago, I think I shared with you that April's family couldn't be here because they were sick. And uh, little Layla and Abby called me on the phone. They snuck their mother's phone out of her purse and called me on the phone. And she wasn't aware of it at the time. She told me they weren't coming to church. Um, and that they missed church. Well, Layla and Abby were... Uh, Wanted to be a part of VBS commencement here and for various reasons weren't able to because of some of that. And again, I know the background from April and Chris and you have to understand the story in its full context. But God just tell you this way because obviously we're online and there's people that could be watching. Just because you put church on the marquee doesn't mean you're uplifting the same God I'm preaching to you about today. You can put anything on a sign you want to. That don't mean God's in the building. I've walked in many a churches that said church, and I thought, my God, I don't know if God's anywhere close by this place. Don't even know if God knows where this place is at, really, to be truthful. It was more like a nightclub than it was a church service. It was more like a dance hall than it was a church hall. It was more about a show and tell and promoting and a Facebook feed or a live stream feed or a some kind of let's go out and brag to the world how awesome we are and God was nowhere getting credit for none of it now, I'm not here to toot our own horn here I mean I, I could read you you know a laundry list of people that are not here Jordy's working today the Frierson's had to be out of town Carlson's have COVID uh, the Burbage family Corey and Jennifer are traveling out of town Sister Beulah has COVID the Wyatts are out of town Jeff uh, that comes and sits in the back back here a lot uh, is sick. Uh, Sister Dale's recovering from knee surgery. The Harleys are sick. Uh, Sister Carmen is traveling out of town. Sister Patricia Lambert had to leave this morning. I mean, I could give you a list of people that aren't here and, and for, for verifiable reasons and, and, and whatever you want to call it. And I'm not here to, you know, you, you might get mad and leave here and you might go to another church next Sunday morning. If you decide to do that, then we'll pray for you and God bless you. Just because somebody says they're church doesn't mean they're church. I told you about the situation in Greenville that Brian and I came encountered with with the drag me back to church Sunday, with the drag queen service in the church. Split the church, so they moved it to the amphitheater in town to try to keep it from splitting. So they moved it, but still the church promoted it as it was their event because they were trying to to prove that God was an all-inclusive and an all-loving God and the pastor, the preacher that morning was a was a self-proclaimed drag queen 
and self-proclaimed preacher of the gospel and said God had sent them on an assignment to tell the world he's an all-inclusive God. And that God was going to use that community to be the remnant to change the world because they were more open-minded and not so narrow-minded and narcissistic. That would be the remnant he'd use to change the world. That was in church, y'all. Church! But at the end of the day, I said this in a Wednesday night. Brother Sister Carlsy couldn't be here today. They were out of town, I think, as well. But she taught on Wednesday night. And I made the reference in the Wednesday night Bible study. And I made a reference to it in Sunday service as well, morning and night. It'll be a cold day. And you know where before I compromise this gospel for that agenda. And you can fire me. You can ask for my resignation. You can bring somebody else in. This church can, no offense, I don't want to say go belly up. You all can walk out of here. But the Bible says God's never seen his righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. If only three people show up next Sunday morning, I'm going to preach to them. But I refuse to compromise this word for the sake of some cultural relevancy out in that world. They can just go to hell in a handbasket if they want to. But I'm going to be a part of the remnant that makes it go. I'm going up. I have no intentions of going down. So they can do what they want to. But this particular church, as long as I'm here, will not compromise this gospel for the sake of cultural relevancy. Just not happening. You say, well, Pastor, the church across town is running 2,000 people. Yeah, and there might be 2,000 people going to hell, too. That's not for me either. Thousands followed Jesus, but only 11 had intimate, close relationship with him. And even the 12 that followed him, one of them, wasn't he, he lived with Jesus, slept by Jesus, ate with Jesus, and he still fell by the wayside when it was all said and done. I've said it plenty of times, and I say it before we break the bread of life this morning, just because there's a crowd doesn't mean Jesus is there. Thousands thronged Jesus, but Jesus only touched the ones that would touch the hem of the garment or their faith. Thousands of people probably had needs, but he only met one at a time because he wasn't interested in the masses. He was interested in the one. So please be understanding of a heavy heart of a mother like April and father like Chris. They've got children who love the Lord and want to come to church and call the preacher to tell them he's not. They're not coming to church against their parents' knowledge. Be understanding of the fact when they see that promoted and their children seeing that before them, they have to go home and try to explain to them why does our church look different than that church because it isn't the same. We're not talking about just they might do a few things different. We're talking about some things that are going on that aren't even biblically accurate. And we've got to explain that to our kids. Well, Mommy, that's a church. No, no, honey. That's a gathering. That's not a church. A church is people that come together and they want to know what thus saith the word of the Lord not what thus saith my pocketbook, what thus saith the man, and what thus saith the community. It is what thus saith the word of the Lord. There is a distinct difference. Because what I want is not always going to be what God says. Hello? There's a lot of times I want it one way, but God says it's got to be another way. I don't always get what I want. But at the end of the day, He has to get all glory and all honor and all power that has to be due unto His name, not about me, or even about you, or about us. It has to be about Him. So today, as we celebrate uh, this independent celebration, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, and then we're going to drop down to verse 16 through 18. If you have it, you can stand for the reading of the Word. I want to set it up. Depending on if you have headers in your Bible, you'll actually see on the top header of of most Bibles, it'll say, Paul's Apostolic Ministry or Paul's affirmation of ministry. 
Paul is actually writing to the church at Corinth, but he's having to affirm, if you will, who he is. Not because Paul questioned his calling, but because the culture of the day was trying to tell the people of the day that these narrow-minded, bigotry-type people like Paul preaching this gospel was heresy. They were trying to tell the culture of the day, don't listen to preachers, they're going to they take all the fun out of life. So Paul's having to try to reaffirm his commitment of why he's called by God and should be listened to. But he also is not only talking about himself, I think it would behoove us to take on this, this charge that Paul says, also to ourselves, to take this message and make this, instead of it being Paul's apostolic ministry, put your name in there and say it's whatever your name is, Randy's apostolic ministry or, or pastor's for affirmation of ministry or Brother Marion's affirmation. Put your name into this. Watch what he says. Therefore, since we have been called to this ministry, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. Look at the next line. We do not lose heart. Before I even go to verse 16, I want you to just, if you have your Bible note taker, an underliner, or whatever, circle that phrase. Do not lose heart. The problem we have in this world today, not just for the sinner, but for the saint alike, is too many people have lost their joy, have lost their hope, have lost their faith. They have lost their heart for God. The Bible said in the book of Revelation, I only have one problem with you, Church of Laodicea. You've got all the bells. You've got all the whistles. you got the singers. you got the musicians. There's one thing. You have lost your first love for me. You have lost your heart for me. And that's what's happened to the church world. I didn't even know Sister April was going to tell that today. But there are churches all over. They've got all the light, sound, smoke, media, but they've lost their heart for God. Because if you are close to the heart of God, you can't stand for things God doesn't stand for. Because the closer you get to Jesus, the hotter the fire of His Spirit burns, and the more He purifies you like a refiner's fire and a fuller soap, the more you got to get some junk out of you because He's got to burn the impurities away from you. You can't get close to God and live in sin. It's impossible. God doesn't condone that mess. Verse 16 in this same chapter. Therefore, get your little note taken again. We do not lose heart. Though our outer person is decaying, though we are physically dying every day, physically, our inner person, our spirit man, is being renewed day by day. Meaning, I might be dying and tomorrow I may be. Uh, in a funeral home somewhere. But if you have to come to my home going service this week, just remember that that whole process of time that I lived on this earth, my inner part was getting renewed day by day by day. I was getting closer to God so that when my perfected time came, I got to go to heaven. How do I know? For our momentary and light afflictions on this earth is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Far beyond compare. Look at this. Paul says, it's only for a moment, y'all. Now, some moments last longer than others, but he said, the momentary, the, this moment we're in, this world we're living in, this state of the United States we're in today, it's afflicting. It might not be fun. It might not be enjoyable. But it's producing something in us that has eternal value. 
that we cannot compare. Verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen. See, the world wants to show you, well, don't you know that we're in a recession? Don't you know we have inflation? Don't you know gas prices are soaring? Don't you know, don't you know, don't you see it? Don't you see it? Don't you see it? I've seen so many memes on Facebook this week. One year ago or two years ago or three years ago, gas was $1.59. Gas was $1.79. Look at it now. I just want to write back and say, shut up. We're not there. You can whine, complain, grumble, bellyache about what used to be, but you live. If you live long enough in the past, you're going to get left in the past because God doesn't want you to focus on the past. He said any man who puts his hand to the plow and turns back to worry about the past is not fit for the kingdom. I know it might be $5 a gallon some places. You know what? Suck it up, cupcake. We're going to heaven one day. This is just wrapping up so that God can get us out of this place. It's the way it is can't help what used to be in the 1920s and 30s you also had to have ration gas where you could only get so much a week so be thankful they haven't told you you only get so much gas a week it could be worse he said we didn't look at the things which everybody else sees we look for things that are not seen for faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen that's what the people of God are we walk by faith not by because if we walk by sight, we look at what we can see. But faith lets me see what nobody else sees. He said, we didn't look at the things that are seen, but the things which aren't seen. For the things that we see in this world are what? They ain't going to last forever, y'all. Gas won't be $5 forever. It might be $8. <laughs> it might be $3. But it won't stay $5 forever, I can just promise you. It just won't happen. It's temporary. You say, well, Pastor, what if I die before it changes? It's still temporary because you're in heaven. So what does it matter? You won't need gas up there. You can teleport yourself where you want to go. You don't need a car. The things that are on this earth are temporary. But the things which aren't seen, the faith, the hope, the things I just talked about, the things that are not seen are eternal. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't let me look about all the mess going on. It lets me look at it and go, you know what? This is just the Lord putting all the pieces together to get me over there. As a child of God, we should look at everything that's going on in the world and it should cause us to rejoice today because we can look up because our redemption draweth nigh because it's just shaping up. How can you have an antichrist if the world doesn't go in chaos? And how can you have a world in chaos if there's not stuff around it causing it to be in chaos? And how can you have a one-world government if we all can't, if we can't have national crises and need monies to come together? And crypto, you say, well, Pastor, how are we going to control everybody? Well, that's why they have Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies because it's digital dollars and digital money. That's how they can control it because it's digitized. We should look at all that and be like, praise God. It's just wrapping up because we as the child of God know we're not going to have to stay here much longer. Longer. We should watch the news. If you go watch the news, instead of being worried about it, when you turn it off, grab your Bible and say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much that I'm going home to Jesus in a twinkling of an eye. I've made my reservation for a mansion in the sky. I may not know the moment, and I may not know the day, but one day I know I'm leaving here when he calls this church away. That's what we're hoping for. So this morning I want to preach to you just a real simple thought. Don't lose heart don't lose heart because if you do you'll lose your vision you'll lose your faith and ultimately you may lose out on heaven do not let your heart be troubled for if you believe in God 
believe also in me. Then he goes on in my father's house, but recognize the first line. Don't lose heart. Let not your heart be troubled. You can't believe in God and believe also in me and see the mansions if you lose heart. Don't lose heart. Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach your word to the people of God. Open our eyes, hearts, hearts and ears to hear your word. Let us not only be hearers, but doers thereof. Forever we will praise you and glorify your name. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor to the left or to the right. Or if you don't have a neighbor, just talk to yourself and be schizophrenic. But tell yourself this morning, don't lose heart. Because here's the reality. When I start getting defeated, discouraged, downtrodden, and depressed, I'll start spewing my venomous toxins to other people and cause them to likewise fall. Misery does love company. You don't believe it? Let a bunch of drunk people sit in a bar and start talking about their problems. You'll see a whole group will start coming together talking about their problems. Misery does love company. You know, the old adage was, you know, you know two's a company, three's a crowd. You know, everybody talks about it. Misery loves to sit around and bellyache together. I used to tell my grandmother, she's in heaven, and uh, she can't, you know, you can believe in heaven how you want to if your loved one's on the other side, can hear you or not. Well, even if she could hear me on the other side, she can't do nothing about it because I don't think you just teleport back down here to cause voodoo ghosts to come out and scare people all the time. So I can, I feel safe to say this because she ain't coming back anytime soon until the rapture takes place. And when I go to heaven, she can't hold it against me because she couldn't stay there because that's called bitterness. So I'm going to say it anyway since she's already gone. I used to tell my grandmother all the time she was a hypochondriac. I told her that to her face many times. Because my grandmother... She loved to be worse off than everybody else. Always. Everything. You come in here this morning, and you just happen to catch a whiff of somebody's perfume and made you sneeze. My grandmother's been sneezing for a month. She's got allergies, and they can't. She's taking every pill, Claritin, Allegra D, Zyrtec. She's taking them all. They don't work. You could come here and cough. She she come in here. She got she got pneumonia. She coughing up stuff she didn't know she had. My grandmother never was diagnosed with COPD, but if you said you had it, so did she. She didn't ever went to the doctor for it, but she had it. My grandmother was the first doctor I ever knew that never actually had a doctorate degree, but knew more than the doctor. Only person I ever knew like that. In fact, she would say, we'd go to church sometime. Somebody would start talking. She'd say, oh, I know. And I'm telling you, I've had this. She'd go on about how sick she was. One day I got in the car. This is probably the closest I ever came to get slapped by my grandmother. She didn't hit me, but she I could see it in her eyes. She was like, you better be glad you're my grandson, not my child, because I'd have knocked your teeth out. I said, Granny, can I ask you something or tell you something? And she said, sure, baby. I said, if you were half as sick as you tell people, you'd have been dead five times already. <laughs> see, the reality is misery loves company. We love talking about our problems. I got, you know, everybody wants to one-up somebody's problems. But it's all about a matter of perspective. So I, I read this story about two by, two guys that were friends. Their name was Sam and Tex, T-E-X, Tex. They were a couple of unemployed cowboys that finally landed a job with the U.S. Cavalry as Indian bounty hunters and were going to get paid $10 per head for Indian bounty hunting. They headed out for the Indian Territory and they pitched their tent in the middle of a valley. In the middle of the night, 
text heard some noise outside that startled him. He unzipped the tent. Looking out, he saw hundreds of Native American Indians surrounding them with bows drawn, arrows drawn, and war paint spears in hand. Hundreds of them, two of these boys. Tex quickly zipped the tent, shook his partner, and said, Sam, wake up. We're going to be rich. See, it's all about a matter of perspective. What Tex and Sam did not realize, um, they weren't going to be rich. The odds were not in their favor. Now, it's a little, you know, some folks have said that, you know, that was not an accurate story. It's a more of a, a metaphorical story. But the idea was, is these two guys, in the middle of what looked like should take them out, they're looking at it as, well, we got a fighting chance. We're going to be rich. They had a different perspective. See, the Bible says that there are times that we feel like we're surrounded by the enemy all around us. But as the prophet of God told his servant one day, he said, Lord, open his eyes and let him see what no one else can see. The enemy is in the valley on the mountain. They've got me encircled all around. But when that prophet of God led his servant to the edge of the cliff, he said, Now, Lord, open his eyes and let him see what we can see. Remember what I read to you. The world looks at everything seen. We, as the people of God, have to look at things that are unseen. And the Bible says that when he opened, the servant's eyes were open, that there was an angelic army that was around the outside, if you will, of the enemy's camp. And what, what the prophet of God said to him, said, what do you see? He said, well, I see a large army. He said, there are more for us, fighting for us, than fighting against us. The old song, I say it's an old song, it's an older song now. But an old, uh, Michael W. Smith, about, oh, I don't know, three or four years ago, came out with a song, a real simple song. It says, even when it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm actually surrounded by you. Even when it looks like the battle's raging, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded. It may look like the enemy's all around me. But, Lord, actually, in reality, what the enemy doesn't know is that I'm surrounded by you. Even in the middle of the shadow of the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. For, God, you are right there with me. Even if you turn the flames of the fire seven times hotter and you throw me through the fires of life to try to purify me, God, your spirit will get right in the middle of the fire. He's still walking in the fire. He's still walking in the flames. He'll be there to help you when you call upon his name. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how bad it gets in Washington, how bad it gets in Berkeley County, or how bad it gets in this community. We still serve a God that is not taken by surprise, that doesn't know what's going on, that's all sitting up in heaven taking a rest or snoozing. God does not sleep. He does not slumber. We don't have to lose heart because there's more on our side that's fighting against us in this world today. We don't have to lose heart. You see, Jesus told his disciples that they would have times of happiness, but there'd be times of fear. There'd be times of adversity. He told them there would be days of difficulty. Jesus never told them that if you get saved and you follow me, you'll never, you'll never have a problem. In fact, he says for people that follow me, they'll lose friends. They'll have to turn, mothers will turn against children, and fathers will turn against children. You have to lose something for the gospel's sake. It's costly. Well, it cost us something to be able to celebrate July 4th tomorrow that we all so eloquently know as Independence Day, the federal holiday in the United States of America commemorating the declaration, signing of the Declaration of Independence that was ratified by the Second Constitution, Second Contention, uh, Second Continental, I'll get that right, Congress on July, actually July the 2nd is when they met together. 
They met on July 2nd. They ratified it. They made it work. But due to some signature issues and people traveling, etc., they didn't actually officially sign the document until July 4th, 1776. What it meant was that the 13 colonies that were here were going to now operate as independent states and no longer be subordinate to the monarch of King George III of Britain. And they were going to be united, freed under one purpose and cause, and that was to be a free nation. They voted to approve this on July 2nd and signed it on July 4th. Throughout the years since then, this nation has went through mountain highs and seen the mountain views. We've also been in valley lows and seen the darkest days of history. We've seen days of economic success. We've seen great depressions and recessions. We've seen times where the American dollar was the supreme dollar and, and was the supreme currency of the day. We have seen days where the American dollar wasn't even fit to spend in other places. We've seen days where life was great, grocery stores were stocked, gas was great, economy was booming, houses were going at an alarming rate, things were great. We've seen days where you couldn't find bread and toilet paper on a shelf. I'm not even talking about the Great Recession. Just two years ago, some of y'all were rationing toilet paper like you were your last meal because it wasn't on the shelf. You were begging all those people that you used to make fun of, the Armageddon Doomsday Preppers. You were begging people to be friends with you because you wanted to go to their storage unit and take the toilet paper they had stored up. You don't believe it? Ask me. I was asking my future mother-in-law, can I borrow some of that in there? Actually, not borrow it. I'm going to keep it. I ain't returning it, but can I have some of that? I walked in one room. She had a whole wall lined of these containers with dates. I said, what's that? She said, oh, that's our MREs. You know, for us to eat if something happens. And I thought, yeah, right. Until I figured a couple months later, realized I couldn't even hardly find bread. And I was like, those MREs are looking better already. See, who thought of that? Whatever happened. But I want it for a few minutes. And I won't keep you long because I know all of you right now, you want to go make hot dogs, hamburgers, and have some uh, holiday cookout because you'd rather be there than here. I know that. I'm, it doesn't hurt my feelings at all sinners did I say that out loud that was supposed to not come out did that come out I am so sorry happy 4th of July to you all God bless you aren't you glad you're free to say what you want freedom of speech uh, oh I'm just I'm just messing sort of the reality of it is I want to leave you though with something this this day how do you not lose heart the first thing I want you to understand is that you have to make sure you know who you trust in Everything that you think is your friend ain't your friend. Boy, that's good preaching even if you don't want to be in church today. I have been burnt personally too many times trusting people I thought I could trust. And they take advantage of that. I've had to do damage control many a days on situations where I thought I said something in confidence, but it ended up making a bigger issue out of something. Maybe what I said was still true. But it caused cataclysmic proportions because of the way it was presented by the other party. But can I tell you this morning, there is somebody you can put your trust in and he won't fail you. <laughs> I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be a friend that sticks as close as a brother. You don't have to be Pentecostal to know the declarations of faith to hear this message this morning. You don't have to, you know, have had 30 years of Pentecostal religion. Now, if, you, if you've been Pentecostal all your life, then you should want to shout before this message is over with. If you've never been Pentecostal, you're probably going to want to still shout and become Pentecostal by the time this message is over with. Because I come to tell somebody today that you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. God has never failed you yet. It may look like it, but he has not abandoned ship on us yet. Right now, he may just be sleeping on the boat, but he's still in the boat. <laughs> 
Sometimes we don't see him speaking, and sometimes we don't hear his voice. But that doesn't mean he's not still in the boat. The reality of it is you've got to know who you trust, who you put your trust in, who you believe in. For I know in whom I believe in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep unto him the things that I have charged in him until that day. I can be persuaded that I can put my trust in someone. No, not someone down here, but someone over there. I can put my trust. Some may trust in horses and some may trust in chariots. But we shall trust in the name of the Lord God, the host of the armies of Israel. Can I tell you, you don't have to trust the preacher. You don't have to trust the Sunday school teacher. But you better know how to read this word, rightly divided. And put your faith and trust in a God that never will fail you. Never fail you. The word reserve is a unique word when you talk about trust. The federal government has monetary reserves that they talk about. Men and women oftentimes will come out of the armed forces of active duty to go into reserve duty. Reserve simply is this. It is a commodity not needed immediately, but available upon requirement. Meaning, it is not necessarily for now, but it's available if I need it for later. A lot of people like financial gurus like Dave Ramsey and other people will tell you, you should have three months of emergency fund saved. Some people, they can do it up to six months. So if something cataclysmically happened, you could live off of that till you could get back on your feet. He calls it a reserve fund. Because you don't need it right now, but it's there that if you ever needed it, it's there. Can I tell you, you can also have reserve trust. Sometimes the situation you're in may not take a lot of trust. When you're on the mountain, you don't really have to worry about a lot. Life goes pretty good on the mountains. It does, you know. Life's great. Everything you touch, you're like King Midas. Everything you touch turns to gold. Everything's just great. You know when you really have to have trust? When you're broke. <laughs> when there isn't toilet paper or when there isn't bread. You see, we talk about spiritual reserves. We must understand certain days we don't have to trust as much because we just got a bonus on our check. We got the check dropped in the bank, and it had a bonus on it. We didn't even know we were getting a bonus. We didn't even know we were getting a raise. We got a raise, and we're like, dinner on me tonight. We don't really have to trust. That's pretty exciting. Every time Brianna says, oh, Roper says I'm going to get a $300 bonus if I pick up that shift, I said, what do you want for lunch tonight, babe? Because tomorrow dinner's on you. <laughs> I, we went out to the restaurant the other week, and I said, we went that morning or that uh, to lunch, and I bought lunch. We went out to dinner that night, and I said, so you're buying tonight, right? I paid for dinner. I paid for your lunch. You're going to buy my dinner, right? It was the same account, so it really didn't matter, but I just want to feel good like somebody bought my dinner for a change. She said, sure. She still made me sign the bill, though, so I still paid for it somehow. I don't know how that worked. The reality of it is, though, sometimes we don't have to trust very much. It's just easy. It's like it's there. Major paychecks don't require a lot of trust. It's when the bank account is borderline empty or maybe about to be in overdraft protection mode that we have to start trusting. We don't really have to trust a lot when the job's going great and we've got job security and we're Fortune 500 status. It's when we're not sure if we're going to have a job next week that we have to start trusting. You know, when I don't have a sickness, I'm not coughing, I'm not sneezing, I don't have an ache and pain. I mean, I wake up and I feel like I'm a 21-year-old young stud. Life is great. I don't really got to trust that day. It's when I find out I got cancer. Changer. See, some days take a lot more trust 
than others. But if you have been over the years reading this word and in essence storing up in the depositories of heaven and you've literally just been putting in their trust. After, some may trust in horses. And some may trust, God, I'll trust you on the mountains, but God, I'll trust you in the valleys. God, I'll trust you with a million dollars. God, I'll trust you with a dollar. God, I'll trust you when I have no health issues. God, I'll trust you when the PET scan says I'm eat up with cancer. You can go to the royal treasuries of heaven and say, God, I'm struggling today and he will open up the windows of heaven and he will pour out upon you a blessing that you scarcely are have room enough in your mortal body to contain because you build up a reserve of trust in the Lord. Paul's been asserting his ministry. He's telling them don't lose heart. Second Corinthians chapter 1, he says this. He said, we were burdened beyond measure. It wasn't good. Above strength, but we couldn't do it on our own. That we even despaired even in life. We were discouraged. We even had the sentence of death upon our lives, verse 9 says. That we should not trust in ourselves, but we would trust in a God who raises us up even from the dead. You might even die, but you're serving a God who has resurrection power. You might say, well, my bank account is on life support. Well, praise God that you have a God who owns cattle on a thousand hills, who can take the shockers of heaven and just kind of resurrect your bank account. Resurrect. You say, well, pastor, they say I only got three months to live because I'm eat up with cancer. Well, praise the Lord. If you die to this, the Bible said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Even if I die, I'm going to heaven. But maybe you serve a God that today that maybe he's not ready just yet. He can go right in there. Don't matter how much chemo pills you take, how much radiation you take, God can just shockwave you and let you live. live. Bonnie's been told she should have been dead three years ago, but I keep going every Thursday to see Bonnie. Now, is she in the best of health? No. But is she still alive? Yes. So God's obviously still got a work for her to be done. And there's others of you in this building that you have had bad reports over the years and have gotten sentenced, but you're here this morning. So that means God is not done with you yet. you got to put your trust back into God who has saved you. You see, in the early days, sailors, in the olden days, when they were sailing, in the old boats, not these newer moderns, when they would be on a ship and a fierce storm would come, they would literally tie themselves up to the ship's mast so that when the deck would get slick and rocky and things would start, they literally wouldn't just fall over the boat. They would tie themselves, if you will, off. Didn't mean the storm wasn't coming. Didn't mean the deck wasn't still slick. It just meant I'm going to tie myself off to something that I know eventually is going to right the ship back up. Because that big mass, eventually they knew it might rock, it might rock, it might rock. But if they if they just stayed connected, that eventually they would go wherever the boat's going. Can I tell you the dumbest thing we can ever do in the day and hour we live in is not to tie ourselves up to Jesus Christ. The old song says, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in Jesus. The best thing we can do is when we don't know the ship of our lives gets a little rocky, the deck gets a little slick, is to take the bungee cords of life and the ropes of life and just start tying ourselves. Jesus, if you're going under, I'm going under. If this boat's going under, you're going down with me. We're going down for the last fight, but I'm not going to walk through this valley alone. The best thing we can do is stay tied up to Jesus because he never is going to sink. He's never going to drown, and he will bring me out with him when he comes. I'm reserved. The Bible never says you won't go over something. It just says you won't ever go under something. You might have to go through some things, but all the Bible says that everything that's over my head is actually under his feet. So if I'm tied to him, I can only go so far under because he doesn't go under. 
So I have to stay connected to him. We know that the attack right now we're living in on the constitutional rights and the understanding of it. But this ain't the first time this happened. This, this, the Constitution of the United States has been attacked for many years. Ronald Reagan said it this way. The Constitution was never meant to prevent people from praying. Its declared purpose was to protect their freedom to continue to do so. That was the president at the time that said that. See, I, you can hear whatever you want to on the news about this, that, and the other, but now is not the time for the church to become limp. Now is the time for the church to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, lace up our shoes, and be like, it's wartime, let's go to battle. Now's the time to rise up and be counted for the cause of Jesus Christ. The reserve. Secondly, moving quickly, you've got to have a renewed confidence. Not arrogance. There is a distinct difference between arrogance and confidence. Confidence is knowing that there might be challenges, there might be things. That I may not always be successful the first time, but, but eventually I'm going to get it right. You can be confident but not arrogant. There is a distinct difference. Arrogant people, they think they do no wrong. They think that they're the best thing since life's bread. Some people will call arrogance by the term overly confident. They have too much of it. No one enjoys suffering, no one enjoys hardship, no one enjoys adversities. Nobody says, oh, I love those seasons. The early settlers in the United States, they, they struggled with harsh winters, harvesting enough food. But after all they faced, and even many of them dying, some of them with plagues, and other, even with all of the issues they faced, they did not let them destroy the intended purpose of what they came to do, and that was to make a nation of freedom religion. A lot of people died in those early winters and sicknesses, but they still remained focused on the task at hand. They had a renewed confidence. We, got, we came here with a purpose. We're going to finish the job. Can I tell you, that's the problem with the church. God has called us to a purpose, and he's waiting for us to put our bootstraps back on and say, finish the job. We call it the Great Commission, for those of you that haven't been in church. Finish the Great Commission. Go into all the nations, baptizing and preaching them all that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even in the ends of the earth. Go into Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Meaning, start at your home, tell your next-door neighbor about Jesus, then start with the people in the subdivision across the street from you, then start worrying about your communities around it, then start worrying about your county, eventually go to the city, eventually go to the state, eventually go to the nations, but we've got to tell people there's still a way to make it to heaven one day. It's a renewed confidence. They were discouraged. So have we been. After a season of time, they came together. They created what is known as the Declaration of Independence. Many church denominations have documentation similar to that outlining their beliefs in the church of God we call it our declaration of faith it is what we believe kind of like the United States has that for what the United States wanted to be the church of God other places have their own articles of, of belief structures our confidence in God should never be wavering or drifting based on the things happening around us at the time God does not get moved by the things around us we get moved by them God doesn't drift God doesn't sit up in heaven on his big old white ivory with massive lion heads on the armrest of the chair sitting up there and when something happens goes, oh no, I didn't see that. Ooh, we got to come up with a plan. No. God doesn't sit there and somebody come knocking on the proverbial throne room and open the door. Now God, there's some chaos going on in the United States of America. They're, they're, they got gas, five dollars a gallon. Oh goodness gracious, I didn't know that was going to happen. Man, we, we, we need to intervene. God doesn't work like that. We work like that. Because we're human and we're 
we're finite creatures. God's infinite. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows when this thing's going to wrap up, and we don't know when it's going to wrap up. The reality of it is God is not wavering. In fact, the Bible talks about that when we are like that, we're just like a piece of seaweed or a grass. We're just getting tossed to and fro by the ways and the seas of life. We're just going back and forth. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I quoted that a couple weeks ago. You know, God, God's not in, God doesn't get wishy-washy like that. Having confidence in God, our confidence in God should not be wavering based on our circumstances around us. If anything, our confidence in God should keep us grounded no matter what the circumstances are around us. Keep us going, it doesn't matter what happens, God is on my side. I quoted on Wednesday night a song that uh, I've listened on the radio many times, but the, the one line really just sticks out, but the, it says, God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. Lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, the enemy is defeated. And we will shout it out, shout it out, that God is fighting for us. And if you leave nothing today, I don't care where you stand politically. I don't care where you stand right now in the world. You have to remember there is a God fighting for you. He is pushing back the darkness. He is lighting up his kingdom. That cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. In the name of Jesus. The enemy is defeated. And we should shout it out. Shout it out that God is fighting for us. You see, the early church, Apostle Peter, we know his story. Peter had a lot of confidence in a lot of things. He was kind of arrogant, but he got humbled a lot too. You know, oh Jesus, I'll die for you. Peter, you're going to denounce me before we even get to that point, son. Mic drop, just cut you down right there. Just, it's over. Peter gets a lot of bad rap. Well, we know he started the early church. You know, Jesus asked him about the breakfast on the beach. You know, hey, you know, do you love me? Feed my sheep, all that stuff. But you know what I love most about Peter? Is sometimes, even though Peter was overly confident, sometimes that confidence, yeah, it might have got him in trouble, but it got him outside of his comfort zone to do something nobody else would do. Sometimes God needs us to be discomforted at times because he needs to get us out of seasons of complacency because he never intended for us to just be dormant Christians. He wants us to be active Christians, and he doesn't want us to sit. He wants us to go. There's a distinct difference between sit and go. Go denotes action. Sitting denotes lazy. Hello, preacher. When you don't want to work outside because it's too hot, you go sit inside the house, turn on the TV, fall asleep. Nothing's happening. You're asleep. But when you're outside fixing the car, you're not just sitting down most of the time. You're grabbing a tool. You're moving because you're going to do a task. I love the fact of the story in the Bible. They're on the sea. Jesus had sent them across. They see him walking on the sea. All the other disciples, including Peter, all of them are afraid. They say, oh, my goodness, there's a ghost. There's a ghost out there. Well, he kind of looks like Jesus. I don't know it's a ghost. Everybody's afraid. All the other 11 guys are down there tying themselves to the mast, trying to grab their swords, trying to bunker down, thinking they're getting to be raided by some kind of pirate. Peter's dumb self at the time yells out to the ghost, hey, you, who are you? If you really are Jesus, everybody else is still down here. Oh, my God, we're going to die. Peter's up there like, well, I'm scared too, but, you know, I'm big and bad. I'm Italian. I don't mind being scared. I'll fight. My grandfather was in the mafia. We'll fight. Let's go. And we know yeah, Peter had to be Italian because anybody else would have been scared to death. 
fighting people, they just they just go fight. They don't care. They fight. Jesus said, all right. Peter said, if it's you, why don't you tell me to get out this boat? Then I'll come find you. Come on, boy. Let's do this together. Me and you right here on the water. We'll do it together. You know what Jesus said? All right, big boy, put your boots on and come on out here. I know it's a nice. It sounds a lot prettier in the King James. But reality, Jesus like, if you're going to put, you better put your money where your mouth is. You're going to talk a big game, buddy. Get out the boat. You can put it all, oh, bid me come unto you, Jesus. Come unto me. You know what Jesus is really saying? Either put up or shut up. You want to talk a big game in front of your friends about you walk on the water? Get out the boat and let's see it. Sometimes God is not interested in our little flowery words. He's interested in action, not what we talk about. He's tired of people talking. There's too many churches that have done a lot of talking with a lot less action. God needs a lot more action and a lot less talking. Talking gets us in trouble. Action creates something for the kingdom. A lot of people talk about stuff. They just don't do nothing about it. Well, that was good preaching too, even if we are not wanting to be here today. So Peter starts getting out of the boat. We know the story. He walks on water. Yes, he sinks. Yes, Jesus pulls out. But you know what Peter could say nobody else could do? I walked on water. I might have sank. But all you idiots over here didn't even get out the boat. Hello. Sometimes God needs us to get outside of our comfort zone to do something that nobody else is willing to do. But it's going to be a difference for the kingdom of God. Because all the other 11 disciples, guess who did not preach the great message after the day of Pentecost? John did not preach it. James did not preach it. James the Lesser did not preach it. Simon, Simeon did not preach it. Judas obviously did not preach it. Bartholomew did not preach it. Matthew did not preach it. You know who got to be the first person to preach on Pentecost Sunday. Any Pentecostal preacher would have loved to have been in that situation. The first person that got to have to preach after the Holy Spirit showed up was not any of the other boys. It was the one guy that got out the boat first. Sometimes God will let you do things nobody else gets to do because you were the only one willing to get out the boat. Hello. Renew your confidence. Miss Carol, please come. Before I preach the day away. This same Peter, after the resurrection of Christ, the day of Pentecost, right before Peter dies, right before he dies, he writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. Listen to what this confident man said. After we have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever. And you know what Peter was saying? I know the God of grace because he's had to extend it to me many a days. But even though God's extended it, he has perfected me. He has confirmed me on that beach, on that side of that Judean hillside. He confirmed my apostolic ministry. He confirmed my call. He not only perfected me, he confirmed me. Then he gave me a strength. I have made strength when I am weak. He has made strength when I am weak. He strengthened me and he's established me. And to all glory be given to him for the one who did it. Dominion and power. But you know what? The last thing I want to tell you, and then we're going to pray. Once you renew your confidence and have a reserve of trust, you can just rest. You can rest in the assurance that he's got it under control. You know why Jesus can sleep on the bottom of the boats when storms are happening? Because he already knew what he was going to do. He's not worried. He was confident in the God he served, the Father, the friend. One song puts it this, Oh, what a father. Oh, what a friend. Oh, what a savior he is. Jesus wasn't worried. He could sleep through the storm because he knew he wasn't going to drown. You know, that's why people say, 
They'll look at people going through something and say, how can you sleep like a baby when your world's falling apart? Because my world's not in my hands. It's in the palm of his hands. I, I, I don't have any control. He's got it from here. I sleep like a baby at night when my world's falling apart because he's not going to let it fall apart for so long because he's not going to let me go under because he's in control. I can rest in his assurance. I have confidence in him. I can rest in his assurance. I can sleep. I read it to you. For our light afflictions are producing an eternal weight of glory. A weight of glory. You know, the Apostle Paul knew we would have days of roller coasters. Like big highs, dip lows, big highs, dip lows. Proverbs 13 and 12 tells us when hope is crushed, so is the heart. I said to you today, the sermon was, don't lose heart. Because once you lose hope and you lose joy and you lose your faith in Jesus Christ, your heart for Jesus will be crushed too. You won't know what to do. John Adams said, July 4th ought to be commemorated as a day of deliverance by the solemn acts of devotion to, an, to a God Almighty. That's what founding fathers said. Though we may argue that we are far from that proverbial one nation under God, it doesn't mean God's still not in control of the nation. What we should do is not worry so much of what's going on because the reality is it should not deter us from this fact. We serve a living God and we have the promise that He is our living hope. Because if God's still alive, I don't have to be shaken. I want to read the words of this song to you and then I'm going to pray for us today. When trouble is in my way, I cannot tell the night from day. I feel like I'm tossed from side to side like a ship on a raging tide. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. God has never failed me yet. Troubles come from time to time. That's all right. I'm not the worrying kind. Because I've got confidence God's going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know He can fix it for me. <laughs> Some folks wonder how I can smile even when I'm going through all my trials. How can I have a song when everything's going wrong? Because <laughs> I don't have to worry. And I don't have to fret for my God has never failed me yet. Troubles come from time to time. But that's all right. I'm not the worrying kind. Because I got confidence. God's going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know he's going to fix it for me. What kind of confidence do you have, preacher? I've got the confidence that I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret because my God has never failed me yet. What are you telling me, preacher? I'm telling you that this is how I fight my battles. When it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by the Lord, oh God Almighty. How can you have confidence, preacher? I can light up the darkness and the kingdom of darkness will not be shaken by because in the name of Jesus, the enemy is defeated and I can shout it out that I I will not be shaken. God is fighting for me. God is on my side. How can you have confidence? Because I've got God on my side today. So how do you don't lose heart? It's real simple. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. And Jesus said, believe also in me. If there's ever been a word I can give you in the day and hour you live in, you need to walk out of here with John 14 and 1 on your heart. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Jesus Christ and everything else will work itself out.
do not lose heart today. As all you stand all over the house, head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray a prayer of faith over each one of you today. Then we're going to let you be dismissed to get to your places today. Do not forget there will not be an evening service tonight due to so many people out today traveling and sick and just we got lots of needs in the house. Let me say to all our online guests, God bless you. We love you. We are praying for you. Hopefully you'll join us on Wednesday night for Bible study. If not, next Sunday with regular schedule for morning and night for all our online guests. God bless you. We love you. For the rest of us in here today, here's my prayer for you. I'm praying that the God of all comfort, whatever you're walking through, would speak. If you have cancer, God doesn't worry. God doesn't allow you to stress about that cancer because you serve a great physician. If you've got multiple lesions of...